Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. A shooter is still at large after killing one person and injuring four others in Atlanta, Georgia. Police have identified him and are asking for help tracking him down. The U.S. Central Bank decides on a quarter percent interest rate increase. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell also hints that there may be a pause on future rate hikes. Senators from both parties vote to overturn a Biden administration rule on importing solar panels that are made in China, often with forced labor. We hear from a Democrat who's breaking with the president on the issue and Senator Rick Scott, who's leading the effort. Two lawmakers make moves to try to close China's consulate in New York amid allegations of CCP foul play in the city. We speak with one of the congressmen who introduced the bill. And New York has become the first state to ban natural gas stoves and other fossil fuels in most new buildings. The ban is part of the state budget recently approved by Governor Kathy Hochul. One person is killed and more are injured in a shooting in Atlanta earlier today. Police say the shooter is still at large. At 12.08 this afternoon, we were called just down the street to 1110 West Peace Street. This is a medical facility, uh, the Northside Hospital that is at that location. This shooting did occur inside the waiting room of that medical facility uh, where five individuals were shot. Unfortunately, a 39-year-old female has lost her life. The shooting took place in Midtown Atlanta. It's a commercial area with many office towers and high-rise apartments. Four people were taken to the hospital with injuries. Police said the suspect escaped by the scene, escaped the scene by carjacking a nearby vehicle, and the car has since been re recovered. Police identified the suspect as 24-year-old Dion Patterson, and they're actively looking for him. Atlanta police sent out photos of the suspect and urged anyone with information on his whereabouts to call 911. Police also noted that the suspect's family has been cooperative in the investigation. A shelter-in-place order for the area was lifted this afternoon. And we'll keep you updated as that develops. And over in Texas, authorities have arrested the long-term girlfriend of a man accused of killing five of his neighbors. The woman, Divamara Lamar Nava, is being held on a felony charge for allegedly helping the suspect avoid capture for four days. So what, what, we, what we believe that Ms. Nava was doing is that she was providing him with material aid and encouragement, uh, food, clothes, uh, and had, uh, and had uh, arranged transport to this house. The prosecutor said it originally appeared that Lamar Nava was cooperating with police based on their earlier phone conversations with her. She was arrested at a home in Conroe, Texas, and is being held in the Montgomery County Jail. Her longtime partner, Francisco Orpeza, is being held in the San Jacinto County Jail. He was caught on Tuesday and faces one count of first-degree felony murder with four more counts expected. The prosecutor said a third person, Domingo Castilla, is in jail on a marijuana possession charge. Authorities expect to also charge Castilla with other crimes, including helping Oropesa hide from police.
Looking across the nation now, U.S. stocks ended lower today. Comments by Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell left investors wondering what the central bank's next move will be on interest rate hikes. For more, here's Business News with Don Ma. All right, thanks, Steph. The Federal Reserve today approved its 10th straight interest rate hike. Now, it was an increase of a quarter percent, though markets are more focused rather on where the Fed will be going from here onwards. And here's what Fed Chair Jerome Powell said earlier today. Looking ahead, we'll take a data-dependent approach in determining the extent to which additional policy firming may be appropriate. Reducing inflation is likely to require a period of below-trend growth and some softening of labor market conditions. So here to talk to me about the rate increase is Sam Burns, chief strategist, Mill Street Research. So all eyes were on Powell and his speech earlier today. To you, did Powell hint that the Fed will be pausing? Yeah, I think the uh, the, the statement that they put out, uh, dropping the earlier references to uh, potentially further tightening, uh, was really the key clue there that they're probably done tightening for now, and they want to uh, be able to you know, make choices based on the data going forward and not be pre-committed to any further rate hikes. So I think he, he, he acknowledged that and seems to be comfortable with the idea of uh, pricing in a pause. I think what he wanted to push back on was the pricing in of rate cuts later this year. From the consumer perspective, how do these interest rate hikes impact them directly? Well, certainly the first impact is going to be on, on housing and the price of mortgages, and then second on uh, autos, the, the cost of, of getting auto loans. Those are the two biggest things that consumers typically finance and are having to pay higher interest rates for now. Um, after that, uh, it's really uh, you know this, the knock-on effects from, for instance, higher credit card interest rates, uh, which have gone up significantly, uh, and other things that will tend to uh, cause people to have to pay more for uh, financing their spending and therefore cut back on what they're buying. And as well, the Fed is projecting higher unemployment this year. Maybe you can also talk about that. How do interest rate increases lead to unemployment? Yeah, and there it's a little, little less direct typically. Uh, but generally speaking, if, if companies are having to pay more to borrow money and are potentially going to do less expansion, if they are going to hire people, build new factories, that kind of thing, uh, if the cost of capital is now higher, they might decide to scale back their expansion plans and not hire as many people as they had you know, previously. So to the extent that the demand for labor uh, will slow down because of the higher cost of capital, uh, then that would potentially reduce the demand for labor and bring wages down. So I think you could see the split between the, the labor and consumer side versus the sort of business side and investment side uh, where things have already started to slow down. And that's the area that's most sensitive to interest rate increases. And that's what we're already seeing uh, within that GDP report. All right. Thank you so much for talking with me. Pleasure having you on. Thanks. My pleasure. Now, the takeaway from the Fed today would be that while tight policy could remain in effect, the path ahead is less clear for actual interest rate hikes. Policymakers will have to assess incoming data and financial conditions before committing to a decision. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Don. And on Capitol Hill today, senators are putting pressure on the White House to hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable for solar panel parts, oftentimes made with forced labor. NTD's Melina Wisecup has more details. Melina, we know this effort attracted some Democrat support today. What can you tell us? 
So the Democrats' response here is pretty split now, but some Democrats are not shy in expressing their opposition to the White House. We saw that with tonight's vote. There was a good handful of Democrats who voted with Republicans to overturn the Biden administration's rule. But we'll get into the Democrats' response on this a bit later. First, I want to show you what Senator Rick told me earlier about why he prioritized pushing this vote today. Watch. These tariffs were created back in 2012 as a result of Chinese solar panel companies using slave labor, uh, selling them in this country. They were they were dumping them on, on on this economy to kill our jobs. On top of that, they were subsidized by the Chinese government. Now what we found is these same companies were sending uh, to get away from the tariffs. They're sending them down to Southeast Asia and shipping them here. The Biden Commerce Department caught them, right? And then Biden says, "Oh no, don't worry about that slave labor. Don't worry about them violating our laws." We're going to give him a two-year reprieve. That's wrong. Now, like I mentioned, there are some Democrats who are aligning themselves with Senator Scott's position here because they say that waiving these tariffs undermines our human rights standards, but also forces American manufacturers, solar panel manufacturers, to compete with cheap slave labor from China. Um, but other Democrats, however, say that reimposing these tariffs would other would burden American manufacturers. But one Democrat senator that spoke on the Senate floor today has the exact opposite point of view. Here's what Senator Sherrod Brown said just moments before voting with Republicans on this. We'll show you what the senator said as well as an exchange I had earlier today with senator, Senate Leader Chuck Schumer on the issue. In the end, it's a simple choice. Whose side are you on? Either the side of the Chinese Communist Party or the side of American workers? And that, to me, what is what this vote is about today, uh, to continue um, these tariffs on China, because as long as they keep cheating, as long as American companies are willing to, um, to take the products from slave labor and underpaid labor and exploited labor and bring them into this country, these, these problems will continue for our industrial base. Do you think it was a mistake for Biden to waive those no, tariffs? No, the two years, look, either way, whether there's a two-year extension or not, the chip, chip manufacturing and battery manufacturing is flocking to the United States. So as you just saw, Senator Schumer sort of pivoted away from directly responding to my question there. And one reason why more Democrats may not be comfortable speaking up on this is because it does directly counter the White House's rule here. Now, the House did already pass the, this, this resolution to overturn Biden's rule. So President Biden says he will veto this. Under that circumstance, Congress will then need to act again. A few more Democrats will need to jump on board in order to officially override President Biden's veto. All right. Thank you so much, Melina. Good to hear. Now, speaking of doing business with China, Senator Marco Rubio is seeking an investigation into Ford's new partnership with China. The automaker is planning to team up with a Chinese mining company at a nickel processing plant in Indonesia. Rubio noted that the Chinese company calls this project, quote, one of the flagship projects under the Belt and Road Initiative. He's asking federal agencies to investigate over national security concerns. And more on Beijing and its influence here on U.S. soil. Two senators are working to oust the apparatuses of espionage with a new bill. 
Representatives Tom Tiffany and Lance Gooden want the Biden administration to close New York's China consulate and Hong Kong economic and trade office and expel their employees from the U.S. entirely. It comes after the Justice Department recently arrested and charged two people for allegedly operating a secret police station in New York City on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party, as well as charging 40 Communist Party officers for harassing people living in the U.S. The lawmakers' move is not without precedent. The Trump administration in 2020 closed China's Houston, Texas consulate after FBI intelligence showed it was a hotbed of CCP spying. And a number of China hawks also say that the communist regime effectively uses their consulates as spy stations. Earlier today, I spoke with Representative Tiffany to learn more about his bill. Representative Tom Tiffany, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for coming on. Good to join you, Stephanie. Now, together with Representative Lance Gooden, you've introduced a bill to expel China's consulate and Hong Kong's economic and trade office from New York City. What exactly are you proposing and why do you see this move as necessary? Yeah, so the problem is that the communist Chinese have set up these police stations around the world, including in New York City. And, you know, this really hasn't gotten a lot of attention but it's being done all over the world, including in the United States. And we found one that's in New York City, or I, sh I should say our intelligence agencies did. And um, so I believe the Biden administration should be closing that down. And that's what we are proposing, is that the uh, that consulate should be closed down. And those diplomats that were involved with it from the communist Chinese government should be removed from the United States of America. Why just New York City, but not other consulates? You know, I think it's um, perhaps commensurate with um, what they found in New York City. Um, in other words, let's do, uh, let's take care of the problem that has by, uh, been identified. I mean, we saw it with the previous administration. They did it in Houston, Texas, when they emptied out the uh, communist Chinese consulate in Houston because they found them that they were spying. So let's start with New York City. But I hope our intelligence agencies are continuing to investigate this because if we're seeing this pattern of behavior in other uh, consulates or other police stations, other um, satellite operations, whatever you want to call them, around the country, if that's the case, then each one of them should be closed as we identify them as intimidating people here on United States soil or uh, stealing our intellectual property. Now, tensions are already high between the U.S. and China. Closing the Chinese consulate in New York City, some might say this is going too far and could be perceived by the Chinese Communist Party as an escalation or even provocation. What would you say to that? So bullies are going to continue to step on your toes. And if you step backwards, then they're going to continue to do that. And we need to deal with this early on. Appeasement will not work. They are aggressors. We were, seeing, we were seeing this around the world. Just commented earlier, Hong Kong, Uyghurs, Taiwan. You look at other uh, things that are happening around the world. If we don't stand up now, if we just go with a policy of appeasement, they're going to get nothing but more aggressive. Deal with the bully right now. What more do you think needs to be done to eliminate the risk of this kind of interference from the CCP? 
So, uh, first of all, the Biden administration needs to be strong in regards to this, and this is what Representative Gooden and I are trying to do, to do is uh, put a little steel in their backbones that they're going to uh, treat this as the foreign threat that it is. I mean, the Chinese have made it very, the communist Chinese have made it very clear. They seek world domination in the 21st century. And these are the type of decisions that need to be made now, whether the 21st century is going to be an American century, just like the 20th century, or is it going to be a communist Chinese century? And that really is the question that it is at the heart of it. All right. Representative Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin, thank you so much for your time. Good to join you today, Stephanie. Next, what's happening right inside your home? If you live in New York, you're in the first state to ban natural gas stoves. The ban applies to most new buildings, and it also includes other fossil fuels. The new rule is contained in the roughly $230 billion state budget that Governor Kathy Hochul and state lawmakers just approved. The law requires all electric heating and cooking in new buildings shorter than seven stories by 2026. For taller buildings, the deadline is 2029. There are exceptions for large commercial and industrial buildings like stores, hospitals and restaurants. But there is pushback. The American Gas Association says this change will raise consumer costs and take away their choices. And now from gas stoves to social media. Federal authorities today alleged that Facebook parent company Meta failed to protect the privacy of children. The FTC accused the social media giant of violating a 2020 privacy order that restricted it from monetizing data from users under 18. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. The Federal Trade Commission proposed sweeping changes on Wednesday to a 2020 privacy order with Facebook, now called Meta. This comes after the agency accused the company of violating the order, which placed restrictions on Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's control over decisions affecting user privacy. In 2020, Facebook was fined $5 billion for violating a 2012 privacy order. Now the commission wants to impose new restrictions, including prohibiting Facebook, Instagram, and its other services from profiting from data it collects on users under 18. The FTC said in a statement that Facebook misled parents about their ability to control with whom their children communicated. Other proposed restrictions include its use of face recognition technology. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Now looking abroad, did Ukraine just try to assassinate Russian President Vladimir Putin? Russia says it intercepted an attack drone that exploded right over the Kremlin. But Ukraine denies involvement. NTD's Jason Perry has the details. A newly released video shows a drone exploding right over the Kremlin in Russia on Wednesday. At first glance, it appears the drone crashed into the flagpole. But when slowed down, the drone goes past the flagpole and then explodes. The Kremlin said two drones were used by Ukraine in an assassination attempt against Russian President Vladimir Putin at his residence inside the Kremlin. It also added that Putin wasn't in the Kremlin at the time. Russia claimed the drones were disabled by electronic devices and said Russia has reserved the right to retaliate. A Ukrainian student gave her reaction to the drone incident. My classmates and I have been talking about this all day. It's very cool. I'm very joyful. 
It lifted my spirit. And another Ukrainian resident gave his insight to the situation. Anything is possible. As long as Ukraine doesn't officially confirm that this was an attack carried out by us, there can be many theories as to who did it. And shortly after the alleged attack, an advisor to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky denied responsibility and said this. Any other actions will be interpreted by Russia as terrorist acts, which will allow Russia to justify its large-scale terrorist strikes against civilians and civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. And also on Wednesday, Russian shelling on a supermarket and residential buildings killed at least 21 civilians and injured 48 in the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson. Russia and Ukraine have both been carrying out long-range strikes since last week, ahead of Ukraine's counteroffensive, which Zelensky said would begin soon. Jason Perry, NTD News. Coming up. In Los Angeles, the Sheriff's Department hosted an active shooter training exercise. This is to ensure deputies are able to respond appropriately in the event of an emergency. And a Northern California County is getting creative with how to control the local mosquito population ahead of summer. Their solution? Drones. You may be thinking more lately about how to stay safe in active shooter situations. Well, in Los Angeles, the Sheriff's Department held training to make sure deputies have the skills to confront those kinds of situations, and NTD had an opportunity to see and learn more about it. The LA County Sheriff's Department hosted an active shooter training exercise at Los Angeles Harbor College. There, the media got to experience an active shooter situation firsthand using one of two realistic multiple interactive learning objective training simulators. The main things that we tell people is run, hide, fight. Um, be aware of your surroundings at all times is very, very important. Um, we want people to, uh, to know that when something like this happens, it's going to be very chaotic and very, very dynamic. Um, but we don't want them to, to stay, stay in place. We don't want them to be a victim. We want them to do whatever they can to protect themselves and stay alive. The Special Enforcement Bureau was also present to help make the role playing as realistic as possible. This way, the trainees will have the highest chance of survival in a real life situation. Meza says when deputy personnel arrive on scene, their primary mission is to stop the suspect from hurting more people. Uh, we know deputies who start arriving, they know that there's going to be people who are going to be injured. Um, and we acknowledge that and we put that information over the radio. Um, we have different contact teams. So we'll have that initial first team that responds to a scenario. They're going to assist with stopping that threat. The, the second teams that come in and help out with this active shooter, they're the ones that are going to be evaluating our victims. He explains they need to prioritize the suspect first because there could be more than one. After the suspect is detained or the threat is over, they will assist those injured. Heroic work right there. And more on public safety. In Northern California, the county is using drones to reduce the mosquito population. It's the first time that Santa Clara County has used this approach. NTD's David Lamb has more. With summer soon approaching, we all know how beautiful California trails are. But 
there's the issue of mosquitoes. Now, Santa Clara County is using a new approach to control the mosquito population by using drones. The county's Vector Control District began using unmanned aircraft systems, or drones, to control mosquito larvae along San Francisco Bay. It's partnering with leading-edge aerial technologies, applying larvicide in over 100 acres of wetlands and other non-residential areas. Those mosquitoes we are controlling is not adult mosquitoes, it's larvae mosquitoes, and we're trying to get rid of the larvae before to become adult mosquitoes. Mosquitoes found in the Bay Area can fly as far as 25 miles and can transmit West Nile virus and other diseases once mature. The county's move to use drones is part of a trend among California vector control agencies. All the material we are using is approved by APA and uh, those are targeting only mosquito larvae. It means not only very safe to other insects or animals, it's just targeting mosquito larvae. Some locals in Northern California say they haven't been concerned with mosquitoes in the past few years, but... And if it's been dry, like it has been the past few summers, then it's, or it's, it's really not an issue, but a wetter year like this, there's gonna be more. They haven't really affected me lately, so we'll have to see when the time comes when there's going to be more. It's more important to make sure there is no mosquitoes because, as I said, mosquito-carrying diseases, and our goal is to make sure our public are safe. Reporting in Alviso, California, David Lamb, NTD News. And it wouldn't be the same without some sports news. Soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo is now the world's highest paid athlete. And this is according to Forbes' list for 2023. According to Forbes, Ronaldo's move to Al Nasser nearly doubled his salary, which is now an estimated $75 million. The soccer star joined the Saudi Arabian club in January after leaving Manchester United last year. In second place is Lionel Messi, who plays for Paris Saint-Germain. But the club is suspending him for two weeks after he missed training and traveled without permission to Saudi Arabia to promote tourism. Sources told ESPN that Messi will be leaving the French club at the end of the season and that Saudi Arabia is offering to sign him. And that's all for now, but we do love to hear from you, so please reach out via email if you have any thoughts or feedback to share. I'm Stephanie Cox. From all of us at NTD, take care and have a good evening.